Our scripture reading for this morning is found in the Gospel of Mark, the 15th chapter. Mark chapter 15, we'll begin reading at verse 33 and read through verse 41. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders, hearing it, said, Behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who was facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. There were also women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James, the younger and of Joseph, and Salome. When he was in Galilee, they followed him and ministered to him. There were also many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again bow in prayer and ask for God's blessing upon it. Our Father in heaven, we have read your word, the glorious truth that you have revealed to us through the work of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for this word and pray that it might indeed bring into our hearts the glorious message that these words convey, the message of victory, not of defeat, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray and all God's people say, Amen. Well, that might seem like an unusual title or an unusual theme for this passage. To refer to this as victory. We read that here he breathed his last. Here he died. Here is death. And yet this is not defeat. This is indeed victory. So we want to look at three things from this passage today that dealing with the victory. First of all, the scene of the victory, secondly, the shout of victory, and then thirdly, the three signs of victory that Mark gives to us in this passage. First of all, the scene. And when we look at the scene, when we examine the scene, when we look at the situation, we would not say this is a situation that looks like victory. This is a situation that looks like utter defeat. We would look at this scene and say, can it get any worse? Can the fact that that victory be seen in this passage be any less evident? Let me point out three things that Mark points out in this passage that is the scene of the victory, but it doesn't look like it. 
First of all, there is darkness. Mark tells us that it's from the sixth hour to the ninth hour, from noon to 6 p.m. This darkness came upon them suddenly. This is no eclipse that, that is being spoken of. Back in Amos chapter 8, verse 9, we read these words. On that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. No, this was not any ordinary event that is taking place in, in terms of some event of nature. This is God once again intervening into the normal laws of nature and bringing about a darkness in the middle of the day. A darkness for which there is no cause, no reason, other than the hand of Almighty God. But yet, the darkness always signifies, in some respect, sin and evil. Jesus spoke about the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of evil. So how do we see victory in the midst of all of this darkness that goes on for three solid hours? Besides that, there is this cry that emerges in verse 34 from the very lips of Jesus. Words that we find in Psalm 22, verse 1, and now Jesus repeats, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you left me alone? Why have you turned away from me? This agonizing, bitter cry from the cross. The only person in this life to fully experience this forsaking. Oh, others will experience it after they have died and after the judgment and after they're cast into an eternal hell. But in this life, while living, while breathing yet, Jesus is the only one who has ever experienced this forsaking of God, this hell. And yet, in the midst of this, there's victory. This scene of victory is certainly not the scene we would expect to hear victory associated with. And then there is the sponge, right? Verse 35, 36. Some say, oh, he's calling Elijah. He can't, don't even get it here. In the midst of his greatest anguish, they do not understand. They still don't get it. They still hear his words, and they mistake what his words mean. They still don't put it together. They still don't comprehend. In his greatest anguish, in his greatest suffering, 
They still have no comprehension. Oh, he's calling Elijah. They go get a sponge and fill it with sour wine. Not water. No, sour wine. Fulfilling, again, another prophecy of Psalm 69, verse 21. And then look. Look at how they respond. Now, let's see. It's almost that there's mockery even here. Yeah, let's see if Elijah comes and rescues him from this scene. Let's see if there's victory to be found in this circumstance and in this setting. Yet, my friends, there is. For in the midst of this, we read, and Jesus uttered a loud cry. The word cry here in in the Greek is the word forne. It's the word from which we get our English word of phonics. Sound. Language. Oftentimes this word cry is interpreted as the word voice. In other words, this loud cry of Jesus is not a, ah! It's words. Jesus utters again words from the cross. Not a cry of anguish, not a cry of pain. Not a cry of torment, not a cry of suffering. But it is a shout, a cry, a voice of victory that sounds forth from this scene of darkness, of forsakenness, of mockery. Jesus utters a loud Shout! If we compare the the gospel accounts, the various accounts that are given here, we are left with the fact that Jesus uttered one of two cries at this point. In Mark's gospel, we're, we're not told which one it is, other than the fact that he now speaks. We could read Matthew, you can read Luke, and you can read John, And there are two statements that are made. The one statement is this. It is finished. It's the war cry of a victory. We have won. Only here it's not a we. Here it's an I. The victory has been gained. We, I have triumphed. I have done that which I have come to do. And it will forever be done. Now in Mark, what is the work that Christ has come to do? Mark reminded us of that in the very first sermon we had at Mark. Mark chapter 10, 45, I have come to give my life as a ransom for many. It is done. I have given my life as a ransom for many. Victory 
has been accomplished. Victory has been gained. It is over. It does not need to be done again. Ever. Nothing needs to be added. Ever. Nothing needs to be built upon. Ever. It is finished. Or, our other choice at this point, because he utters them both, he says them both, is this. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That too, you see, would be the sound of victory. He is fully aware of the Father's loving presence. What has been the last thing Mark reported? My God, my God, why has you forsaken me? Now what would it be his last cry? Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Once again, victory. I'm with my Father. My Father is accepting the work that I have done. I have perfectly obeyed. I have offered my life as a sacrifice so that my life will indeed be a ransom for many. It's done. Victory has been achieved. In the Belgic Confession, Article 21, we read the following as far as the satisfaction of Christ, our only high priest for us. We believe that Jesus Christ is ordained with an oath to be an everlasting high priest after the order of Melchizedek, and that he has presented himself in our behalf before the Father to appease his wrath by his full satisfaction, by offering himself on the tree of the cross and pouring out his precious blood to purge away our sins, as the prophets had foretold. For it is written, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him. And with His stripes we are healed. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and numbered with the transgressors. And condemned by Pontius Pilate as a malefactor, though he had first declared him innocent. Therefore, he restored that which he took not away and suffered the righteous for the unrighteous, as well as in his body as in his soul, feeling the terrible punishment which our sins had merited, insomuch that his sweat became, as it were, great drops of blood falling down upon the ground. He called out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And has suffered all this for the remission of our sins. Wherefore, we justly say with the Apostle Paul that we know nothing save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. We count all things but loss and refuge for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord, in whose wounds we find all manner of consolation. Neither is it necessary to seek or invent any other means of being reconciled to God other than this only sacrifice, once offered by that which He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. 
This is also the reason why he was called by the angel of God, Jesus. That is to say, Savior. Because he would save his people from their sins. Victory! In this scene that looks anything like victory, there is victory in the finished, accomplished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. In the Westminster Confession of Faith, chapter 8, section 5, the Lord Jesus, by his perfect obedience and sacrifice of himself, which he, through the eternal Spirit, once offered up unto God, hath fully satisfied the justice of his Father and purchased not only reconciliation, but an everlasting inheritance in the kingdom of heaven for all those whom the Father hath given unto him. Victory. Victory in Jesus. In this scene that looks anything like it, there is the cry of victory. Jesus Christ is the victor, not the victim on that cross. And Mark, to, to remind us of this, then gives us three signs of that victory. How do we know Christ was victorious? How do we know that what Christ came to do has been accomplished? How do we, what signs does Mark give us? Three. The first is this. He reminds us of the fact that, verse 38, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The curtain that separated the holy of holies from the most holy place. The curtain that separated, as it were, God in his glory from his people. That way has now been opened. The way is now open through the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. How do we know that the cry of Christ on the cross is a victory? Because there was a torn curtain, torn from top to bottom, torn by God, not from man down below. That salvation is by grace through faith, not through man's work. That salvation is accomplished by the Son of God, suffering and dying and bearing God's wrath upon that cross for you and I, opening the way to the Father. Hebrews chapter 10, we read the following. Hebrews 10, verses 19 and 20. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Through Christ offering himself, through Christ shedding his blood, a new way has been opened unto God. That you and I have access to the Father's throne. 
We have access through Christ alone. The second that Mark mentions for us is the centurion. Verse 39. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the Son of God. An open acknowledgement of who Jesus was. How long has it been? In the book of Mark, since anyone made such a statement, how long has it been since anybody acknowledged that Jesus was the Son of God? Yet what did his death do? What did that shout? What did that cry? What did the way in which he died do? For this Roman centurion, it opened his mind if not his heart, to acknowledge that Jesus was not a prophet. That's where we ended in Matthew, right? He's from Nazareth. He's a great prophet. Now, what does the centurion say? He is the Son of God. Luke adds to this account by telling us that he glorified or praised God. Sounds like it went beyond just a statement. Sounds like it it involved an act, a turning of his heart. You know what he is? He's a Gentile. Want to see victory? Want to see victory? You see it in the temple with a torn curtain, an open way. Want to see victory? It's a Roman centurion acknowledging who Jesus is as the Son of God, worshiping God. Want to see victory? Begins there in verse 40. Remember last week, Sunday, I I mentioned to you, Mark did not mention the women. He does now. Mark does not mention anything about Mary and John. But now, now Mark mentions the women. Why? Why now? Why why does he point this out now? Because these women are going to become the witnesses. The witnesses of what? The witnesses of his death, the witnesses of his burial, and the witnesses of his resurrection. Are there any disciples around? Well, if we read uh, and understand what the Gospels are saying, when Jesus said to John, this is your mother, and from that hour, that hour, John took her to his home. That was before the noontime. It would appear in Mark's listing they're not there. No disciple is there. John's not there. But who is there? The women. They're going to see his death. They're also going to be there when 
the burial occurs, and they're going to be there, Mark chapter 16, at the resurrection. They are the eyewitness account of victory that is witnessed by living, breathing people. These women who had been following Jesus now are the ones who get to, uh, by the words of the angel, go and tell, go and tell. It's a reminder to us that, that Galatians chapter 3 tells us that, that we don't exclude even Gentiles anymore. We don't exclude women anymore. All are part of the kingdom of God. And we must underscore that. The Gentile proclaims the glory of God. That Jesus is the Son of God. The women will proclaim He died. He was buried. And He rose again from the dead. The glorious truth of the gospel. The signs of victory. No, my friends, this is not the story. This is not the account. This is not a passage about the defeat of Jesus. Yes, it's the death of Jesus. But the death of Jesus is not a defeat. It's a victory. Oh, glorious victory in Jesus Christ, our Lord. I hope that today you know that victory as well. That you know the glorious truth that Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. That you know Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The one who died. The one who was buried. The one who rose again. The one who lives and rules and reigns forever. The one in whom is the way. You can't get there any other way. There's no way to glory. There's no way to the Father, Jesus said, except through Him. That's it. Can't add on to the work. It's not Jesus plus you. It's not you plus Jesus. It's the victory. Because you see, if it were left up to you plus Jesus, we'd never make it. If it were Jesus plus you, we'd never make it. But in Christ, in Jesus, there is victory. He gave his life as a ransom for many. Today, Today, if you know him, if you know him, then you can sing out in a few minutes again, it is finished was his cry, hallelujah, what a savior. But if you cannot sing that truthfully, honestly, and today, get on your knees. Repent. Turn from your sin. Look to Christ.
But you see, that can only happen with God's grace. So pray, God, have mercy upon me, a sinner. That's the parable Jesus told, wasn't it, of the Pharisee and the publican. The one who cried out, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus said, is the one who goes home justified. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, your living, breathing word. The fact, Lord, that there is victory in this most unusual scene. Father, as we think about life here and now and we think about life in various countries around the world, the scene looks anything like victory. And yet, Lord, there is. It's men and women, boys and girls, are coming by your grace to know Jesus Christ as their Lord. Deathbed conversions. Those, Father, who are living breathing, are taking more seriously eternal truths. And you're making use of this means of of a virus for many to come to know Christ. Victory in a most unusual circumstance and situation. Lord, for how many of us is it not true? that we came to know Christ in the darkest of days. Ah, the blessings of Christ's work being finished. May we rest in Christ upon this day and celebrate His coming as the King, as the Lord, as the Savior, the heavenly high priest, even as we look forward to his coming again. In his name we pray, and all God's people say, Amen. We'll now sing Man of Sorrows, after which we will uh, follow that up with Rejoice, the Lord is King. May God bless you upon this day.